Hey y'all and welcome back to another episode of Becoming No One. I am your host Big Taj and today we're going to talk about the Hermetic Principles. So today we're going to wrap up our discussion on the Kabbalion. We're going to discuss the last three principles in great detail. And we're also going to talk about the Hermetic Axioms. Okay. Now remember that these last three principles along with the principle of polarity can actually be transcended. So it's helpful for us to understand how they work so that we can know how to overcome them. All right. So we're going to jump into the principle of rhythm. And today is actually a really good episode because you get to see how these principles kind of build on top of each other. And um, it'll be a lot of full circle moments here as well. Now, as a reminder, the principle of rhythm tells us that everything has its cycles. It has its ups, its its downs, its ebbs, its flows, like the pendulum swings and everything. Now, the Kabbalion says that this principle embodies the truth that in everything there is manifested a measured motion and um, to and from motion, a flow and an inflow, a high and a low tide between two poles manifest on the physical, mental, or spiritual planes. So the principle of rhythm and principle of polarity are like first cousins because the rhythm manifests between the two poles established by the principle of polarity. Now, the principle of rhythm applies not only to men in like our mental states, but it applies to the sun because we have solar life cycles. It applies to like the world because we see the rise and the fall of empires and nations. It applies to animals and plants because we see them growing. We see them dying like nobody can escape these like cycles, right? Minerals, forces, energies, when we see the highs and the lows, mind and matter. So um, some examples of this that we can relate to just in everyday life are like fashion trends, right? Because what was popular back in the early 2000s is now becoming popular in today's time. Um, Also seasons and night and day cycles are maturity, right? We all grow and mature, birth, growth, death, biological cycles, etc. Okay. And from a scientific standpoint, science actually recognizes this when it comes to matter in the material world. But you have to remember that science is like a half truth because they don't acknowledge our spiritual component and they don't acknowledge our mental component. And we are mind, body and soul. So we need to understand science from all perspectives and not just a piece of the perspective, a third of the perspective. So hermeticism actually takes this principle of rhythm a step further and it applies it to our mental states, right? So basically they teach that the pendulum swings in our mind as well, affecting our moods, our feelings and other changes that we see in our mental state. And I think that's really crazy because if you think about it, um, what this is basically saying is our we go through cycles of our mood being good and our mood being bad. If a lot of us knew that and we could basically track that, because if it's a cycle, it can be tracked, then we can take control of that, right? And that's what I teach in human design. Anybody who has a defined emotional solar plexus, I tell them, make sure that you track your emotional waves. Before you go to bed, write down how you felt as an overall theme for that day. Was it a good day or a bad day? And do this for three months. And after that, you'll be able to track your emotional cycles. That's why this is important because that means that you're not moody. It's just sometimes you're in a lower energy instead of being in a higher energy. Now me specifically, I know this exists for me because in my human design, um, I have this channel called channel 55, which is called the spirit of self. And basically you have really high highs and really low lows. 
Hermeticism also teaches that the pendulum manifests on two planes of consciousness, which are lower and higher. Okay, so the idea is that if you're vibrating on the higher plane of consciousness, you kind of escape the rhythmic swing of the lower plane of consciousness and vice versa. So it's like having a penthouse suite at a hotel. You get special benefits that no one else gets. Okay, so if you raise your vibration high enough, um, when the pendulum does swing back, it's not going to swing back into that low um, plane it's going to be in that higher plane of consciousness which basically just means that your low period or your period of you know coming down is not going to be as significant as other people because it's still at a higher vibration all right now the Kabbalion also says that there's something called the law of neutralization which says that the pendulum swing happens on the unconscious plane and the consciousness is not affected so Hermeticists have learned to raise their ego above the vibrations of the unconscious plane of mental activity so that the negative swing is not manifested in their consciousness so that they are not affected by this swinging backwards action that happens for everybody. So basically they're playing jump rope with consciousness, y'all. <laughs> they basically, as soon as they know that their cycle is about to come where they're in this low, they make sure that they're raising their vibration during that time so that they can basically jump over that low swing. Um, but the process entails polarizing to the desired pole by managing your thoughts and emotions while you're in this backward swing. So you have to almost be in denial and choose to focus on the positive during this time. What's crazy is a lot of us are already participating in this law of neutralization, which I think is great confirmation that sometimes we just naturally tap into these laws of the universe because we're tapped into the aether that's around us and having these uh, clear knowings that we really can't explain. All right. And knowing this information is so important because a lot of us experience con constant mood swings. And this gives us an answer as to why. Now that we know we can do something about it because this principle is mutable and can be transcended. Okay. So that means we have some control over whether or not we allow this to affect us or not. But it would always exist in everything. So that means each day you need to be managing your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings. And this doesn't only affect your mind. It affects your body and your soul as well because there are three parts to us, the Holy Trinity. So how does it affect our mind, body, and soul? So the cycle affects our mind by affecting our mental state. So our moods, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts. It affects our body by affecting our health, our injuries, our tolerance. And it affects our soul by our vibration constantly rising and falling based on our habits and our experiences. And also the highs and lows that we experience in our energy levels as well. Because things are just constantly changing and everything has an acceptable or a less favorable season. So now that we know that it is our job to stay positive, even when we can't see a desired outcome, your will is more powerful than this principle, meaning it can be transcended. All you do is have to apply it because, um, the pendulum doesn't swing from one extreme to the other. Okay. It doesn't swing from one pole to the other. It moves back as far as it has grown and it doesn't go back further than it was before because there's something called this law of compensation, which tells us that the measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. So rhythm compensates compensate just means counterbalances. So there's a counterbalancing system within the universe. And just to explain it further, 
the swing in one direction is going to determine the swing in the other direction. So I just want to point out that when people go through a spiritual awakening or they have done a lot of mental growth in a short period of time, then they actually go through this period where they really have to basically fight to prove that they have done the work and basically apply everything that they have learned during this growth period. So you fall back into like these familiar patterns. So this has to be happening during that swing backwards, which is determined by the swing forward. So if you make huge movement forward, it is likely that right after you might go through this period of time where you are basically having to apply the knowledge that you learned. That's really great information to know because that's something that we can prepare for if we're aware of it. Now, an example of this working in the physical plane is when you throw a ball up into the air, it has to come back down the same distance that it went up. And it's also can be seen in projectiles as well. If you throw a football to your friend, it has to rise as much as it falls before it reaches the other end. So those are just some examples that you can apply this principle to. Now, hermeticism takes the law of compensation even further by applying it to our mental stage when it comes to like pain and pleasure. So it's like saying that, uh, it's like that saying that says you can't protect yourself from pain without protecting yourself from happiness. So it means like if you put up a wall to protect yourself in a relationship because of a traumatic experience you had with someone, then yes, you can keep out all the pain, but you're also keeping out all the love. Okay. So when you turn off your emotions, you lose access to the good emotions too. So there's almost like this balancing system in place when it comes to your mental state as well. Okay, so the Kabbalion says that there are temperaments which permit low degrees of enjoyment and equally low degrees of suffering. But there are also temperaments that permit high degree of enjoyment with the most intense suffering. So the capacity for pain and pleasure are balanced. And apparently the law of compensation plays a huge role when it comes to men and women. It's basically... Um, where that saying you can't have your cake and eat it too comes from, there's always a sacrifice or something you have to give up in order for you to have something else. Okay. So this is what tells us that life has its checks and balances. No matter what group you are in, you will always possess something that the opposition doesn't have and vice versa. Now, what I thought was really interesting is that Hermeticists actually believe in reincarnation, right? And they believe that this pendulum also swings in between our incarnations. So if you live one experience, right, you come to earth and you live this experience of pain where you're constantly suffering and constantly in pain, right? In your next incarnation, you'll actually live the opposite experience according to what Hermeticists say. So you'll actually experience a great amount of joy in your next incarnation just so it's counterbalanced between your life cycles. Isn't that crazy? Like that really trips me out. Because that means what you do in this life directly affects your next life, okay? And again, this is better understood by them because they believe in reincarnation and that our lives are continuous, so they form the life of one individual or one soul. So hermeticists are able to avoid this incarnation of pain too because they are able to use the process of neutralization to their benefit, which I also thought was crazy. So the principle of cause and effect is what we're going to talk about next. And this is what tells us that every, every cause has its effect and every effect has its cause. Now, the Kabbalion says that this principle embodies the truth that nothing is a coincidence and nothing actually happens by chance. To Hermeticists, chance literally just means a force existing outside of a law 
force and purpose. And we now know from the first episode and the principle of mentalism that nothing exists outside of the laws of the universe except the all because the all is law itself. So that means that this there can't be an energy that exists outside of the all that causes luck or chance to happen. Um, Hermeticists actually believe that what we call chance is just a cause that we cannot see or we cannot perceive or we cannot understand. Okay, and in addition, there's something called the law of averages, which comes from the this principle. And it tells us that if you flip a penny over and over, say you flip a penny 100 times, if you count out how many times it landed on heads and how many times it landed on tails, it's probably going to be even or it'll probably be about the same amount. Okay, Um, the cause that has to do with like flipping a penny is how much force you apply. Right. When you're flipping the angle, you held the penny, the surface it falls on and maybe even some forces that we can't see. So what we need to understand is that this principle doesn't create anything. This principle applies directly to events, okay, which the Kabbalion describes as that which comes, arrives, or happens as a result or consequence of something preceding an event, okay? So all events are basically continuous, and this is basically saying there's a relationship between all that comes before and everything that follows an event. So everything is basically like a series of events. So to try to explain this in a way that people can understand, say that you are at home and there's a thunderstorm. And as the storm is happening, lightning hits a tree and the tree branch falls through the roof of your house. Basically, this is saying that there were a series of events that led up to that moment. Like, for instance, maybe that before they build your home there, there used to be a community center there and they used to have a tree house in that tree and it sat on that branch. Right. So the branch was already weak when the lightning hit it. Whatever the case may be, is saying that there was a life cycle that happened for every party that was involved. And there's a series of events that led up to the event that you're experiencing every moment that you're experiencing it. Now, hermeticists also indicate that free will will play a part in this. But we have to understand that the further we are from something, the less freedom we have. But the closer we are to something, the more freedom we have. And hermeticists kind of apply this to the mind. So this is like when we talked about becoming a true authentic self, right? The closer you are to your true authentic authentic self, meaning that you know who you are, right? You, you've mastered your moods, your emotions, your feelings, and your thoughts, and you don't care about the judgment from other people. You're vibing high. The freer you are going to feel, right? And the further you are away from this true authentic self, then the more bound you are or imprisoned by the things that are happening in your environment, other people's moods, other people's thoughts, other people's experiences, and also like your traumas, right? So there are two types of people that kind of exist in this world, right? There's a lot of people who are just walking around pawns in this game we call life being told how to act through disciplinary systems at school through the legal system right they're told how to dress through our fashion trends our influencers our celebrities and they're also told what to think through school through politics religion and the media okay and they just basically go with the flow going to school getting a job their parents wanted them to have living a life their parents wanted them to have being miserable as hell trying to appease all these other people dating who they think they their parent is going to think is acceptable and never really knowing or honoring themselves this These are the bots, okay? These are the people who are on autopilot. These are the people who are part of the simulation. This is, to me, the easy path, right? But there is another path for people who we consider to be masters of this life, right? And these are the people who are creating the causes and not just participating in the effects of the causes created by the world around them, right? They learn to master their thoughts and their emotions. They become aware of their old patterns and habits that are keeping them in this low vibration, and they start to make the necessary changes. They trust their intuition, and they never betray themselves, right? They do the things they love unapologetically. The reason why this is considered the path for the masters, right? And the people 
um, who are trying to master life's game is it's not easy. It's not an easy route to take. It means standing up when everybody is scared to. It means doing you in spite of what other people are going to say about you. It's about healing your traumas so that you're not walking around projecting your experiences onto other people. This shit is not easy, but it is necessary if you want to transcend this principle. Because if you can break the generational curses, the generations to follow won't have to. And um, you could be basically setting up yourself for your next incarnation to be successful or your children as well. You really do get to choose because like I said before, hermeticists say that free will is a part of it. Okay. So you can either be a bot or you can be a master of your own life. And I suggest the latter. Okay. So when you um, live out of alignment with who you truly are, you manifest little freedom. These are usually the people running around claiming that they do what they want and they do what they please while misunderstanding that there is a reason you want to do what you want. There's a reason why you think the way that you think. And a lot of that is due to like conditioning. All right. With this podcast, I'm trying to create masters, people who can rise above the attachments of this material plane, which is just mastering the lows of this material plane so that you can constantly exist in these higher planes and serving a higher purpose. OK, because Hermeticism teaches you that there are universal laws which are all a part of the all or the great law itself and that we can become masters by using those laws to overcome other laws with the understanding that the higher will always prevail over the lower positive consumes the negatives or the lower energies. Okay. So understanding this principle helps us to transcend our, this reality. Now, the last principle, which is the seventh principle is called the principle of gender. And it tells us that everything that has been generated or created has its masculine and feminine aspects. So gender ma manifests on all planes. Now the Kabbalion says this principle embodies the truth that there is gender manifested in everything that masculine and feminine principles are ever present and active in all phases of phenomenon on each and every plane of life but again understand that gender and sex are not the same thing sex is just a manifestation of gender on this great physical plane but gender is much more than that okay for example a random fact about fire is that the blue part of the flame is the hottest part of the flame but it's also the most the feminine part of the flame while the red part is masculine okay so just random facts, because I love random facts. Um, now, science hasn't quite confirmed that this principle of gender um, exists, right? But we are actually headed in the right direction. So let me kind of explain to you using atoms um, how, do, how we know that we're headed in the right direction with this. Just to be clear, we're only breaking down the atom because we know atoms make up all matter, right? So this is going to show us how this principle exists in literally everything okay so in science it has been seen in ions and electrons which form the atom okay the negative corpuscles which are just ions and electrons cluster around the positive ones so hermeticists believe that the positive components of electricity are masculine and the negative components are feminine and the reason why they believe this is because um the negative pole of electrified or magnetized matter is responsible for generation or production of new forms and energies being manifested. That's why it's called the mother of electrical phenomenon or it's the feminine energy because it's creating something. So now, I don't want you to think that just because the feminine energy is labeled negative, that it's negative from our understanding. Okay, the way that hermeticists look at 
positive and negative polarity is completely different than the way that we would look at it. Okay. Now let's talk about how an atom is formed so that we can understand this process working. Okay. Now science says that electrons are the feminine components in atoms because they're creative and composed of negative electricity or feminine energy. Now the electron or feminine energy becomes detached from the masculine energy to start something new, but it has to attach to another masculine energy or corpuscle because our feminine energy naturally seeks union with the masculine energy. Meaning y'all, our homeostasis is to be in balance with our masculine and feminine energy we are just being pushed out of that state by our conditions around us okay so when it does connect with this new masculine energy it causes the energy to create a new form of matter okay now this happens by the feminine energy or electron attaching to the masculine one and when that happens the feminine energy will basically start vibrating really rapidly under the masculine's influence and they start circling around each other and in this process it basically creates Creates this new atom. So the separation process of the feminine energy or electron detaching from the masculine energy is what science calls ionization. All right. So this understanding is important because all matter is made up of atoms and the union of the masculine and feminine energy manifests phenomenon like light, heat, electricity, magnetism, attraction, repulsion, chemical affinity and the reverse of that okay so the role that the masculine energy plays in this process is that it seems to be the director is directing a certain energy towards the feminine principle which initiates the starting of a creative process so the feminine is doing all the creative work and this exists across all planes physical mental and spiritual now, science is proving every day that the principle of gender exists in everything, but we haven't fully advanced enough in our consciousness for us to be able to fully discover this and accept it. But the law of gravitation is an example of this, which says that all particles and bodies of matter in the universe tend towards each other. It's just the manifestation of this principle, which says that the masculine energies are attracted to the feminine energies and vice versa. Okay, so now that we understand how the principle of gender appears in just like everyday life and the material plane, let's try to understand how it appears in the mental plane. And this is through this theory of mental gender that says that the masculine principle of the mind are what we call the objective mind, the conscious mind, voluntary mind, personality, active mind, like all of those are what we would consider to be the masculine principle of our mind. So your conscious mind. And your feminine aspect is what we would call the subjective mind, your subconscious mind, your involuntary mind, your passive mind. Okay, so Hermetists agree that this duality of the mind exists, but they don't fully agree on what science has to say about the capabilities of the two minds, because most have not been able to prove it because you can't really approve like that something is happening in somebody else's consciousness because they are the only person who is able to experience that consciousness, if that makes sense. So how do hermeticists describe this duality of the mind, right? Well, first they teach you to go within, evaluate yourself and listen to your inner voices. And they notice that there are two voices. There is an I or I am voice. And there's also a me voice, which differs in characteristics and how they present themselves. So let's start by breaking the me down first. Now, hermeticists believe that we think in terms of me when we're considering certain tastes, feelings, likes, dislikes, habits, ties, and characteristics, which go on to create the personality or the self 
um, known to himself, meaning that this is who you think you are and others think you are. This is how you think you're being perceived. Now, the me understands that um, everything changes like emotions and futures. Everything grows and dies. And this is the principle of polarity and rhythm at work. In addition, there's a certain collection of knowledge that combines who you think you are as a man or a woman. These are things that you tell people about when you say, this is me, this is who I am, right? And then the me now of many people consists of consciousness of the body and the physical appetite. So some people even consider what they wear and their outward appearance as being a part of this me, which is kind of their lower ego getting involved because um, they're not able to separate themselves from their body. Now, these are going to be usually the people who fall apart when they fucking hair ain't done or they fall apart when they don't got their nails done or if they don't have on the latest fit, they cannot go outside, they can't show their face, they depress, etc. So I know that was a mouthful and I don't want to confuse anybody. So let me give you an example of how it appears when somebody is not able to separate their body from themselves. Okay, so you know how someone does something that hurts your feelings and maybe your coworker comes up to you and asks you what's wrong. A person who is not able to separate themselves from their body might say, I'm sad when they should be saying, I am feeling sad. Because when you say I'm sad, you are not acknowledging that sadness is a feeling or an emotion that is being experienced. It is a mental state that is separate from your being but when you say I'm feeling sad you are acknowledging the separation between how you feel and who you are okay words are really important guys so when I read this it really changed the way I identify my emotions because we have to understand that when we think a thought our body already knows what to do on the spiritual and mental planes it's the physical plane that we need to learn so when you say that you are sad instead of you are feeling sad and it gets tangled up in with who you think you are your body starts to move into a state of being or a condition. Okay. So feelings we understand are fleeting and just indicators to add depth to our experience, right? They help us to gain understanding about how we feel about new knowledge. They are mental states, but they are not physical states saying I'm sad is moving you closer to depression. So homework for this week is to make a conscious effort to start separating your mental state from who you think you are as a person. It's the idea of allowing yourself to feel what you feel and experience your emotions without judgment. They don't mean anything. They just help you to process the way that you are feeling. Okay. Now your mental state should not influence your views or your perspectives of yourself. Just because you yell at your kid at the store does not mean that you're a bad mom, but that's the way that we be taking it. And we, because we don't separate ourselves from emotions that we are experiencing. Now, when you're able to separate and acknowledge that the two are separate, then you can begin to change the internal state of feelings to the opposite in nature. Okay. This is called mental alchemy. This is called mental transmutation. Okay. And it take to take it a step further. Once you're able to separate your mental states from your body, you can realize the me will be understood to be the state or condition that is mentally produced, which are our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, and other mental states, which is what the ancients used to call like the mental blue, the mental womb, where you are capable of producing mental offsprings okay also the me brings about the consciousness of mental work and creative ability but hermeticist believed it was getting its direction from somewhere else where might the me be getting its direction from well hermeticist believed that the i is actually directing the me okay so now the i is part of your consciousness and it's something which is able to will that the me act along certain creative lines and this portion can stand aside and observe or witness the mental creation 
Okay, so the I is able to project an energy towards the me, which wills the mental creation to begin or proceed. Now, remember last season when I talked about the conscious mind, right? And how it is what tells you to start walking again once you've stopped to talk to a friend. Well, this is the I that they are referring to. It gives the direction, okay? So the I represents the masculine pr principle of mental gender and the me represents the feminine principle, okay? So the I is the conscious mind and the me is the subconscious mind the i represents the the aspect of being while the the me represents the aspect of becoming now we also have to understand that the principle of correspondence is active here too which tells us as above so below and vice versa so basically these are similar in nature the masculine and feminine energies but they're just at varying d different degrees okay so mental gender gives truth to all the mental influence phenomenons like telepathy and hypnosis etc so the feminine principle or of the subconscious mind me is always in the direction of receiving impressions while the masculine principle of the conscious mind i is always giving out or expressing the feminine principle conducts new thoughts concepts ideas and works with the imagination while the masculine principle works with the varying degrees of your will okay so your conscious mind works with your will and your subconscious mind works with creating new thoughts concepts ideas and work now our will is our ability to create new mental creations and again like if you remember from our solar our uh chakra episode it is actually housed in our solar plexus so the chakra episode is actually telling us about the spiritual plane and this is telling us about the mental plane okay so let's connect the dots with this um the top three chakras are feminine or our spiritual chakras and they're about higher learning making conscious decisions higher intelligence imagination and intuition while the bottom three are masculine and they're about money sex and powers or the things that we want to will into our existence like our desires our wants our needs the things that we need to survive or that we think we need to survive all come in from this masculine principle so it manifests on the spiritual plane the same way that it does on the mental plane as above so below which confirms the presence of this principle of correspondence being present in this okay now this should also be closing the gap on our understanding of telepathy because we now know that the masculine projects its will towards the feminine which starts the creation of new thoughts and ideas this is the same thing that um, we said happens in telepathy, okay? Because telepathy is just the transference of a thought, mental influence, suggestion, hypnosis, okay? So we need to look at this through the principle of vibration and mental gender. According to the Kabbalion, telepathy is the vib vibratory energy of the masculine principle being projected towards the feminine principle of another person. This is apparently how suggestions and hypnosis work as well. So their masculine principle latches to your feminine principle, which means that we are con constantly needing to look at our own thoughts as if they don't belong to us because this proves the theory from season one that we are able to mentally influence the thoughts of other people and vice versa. So that makes me think about like hum the human design episode, people who have open heads, you, they're obviously going to be way more susceptible to, to this type of influence. Okay. And this is also how they condition us through making these suggestions because they understand the powers that be that if they project their masculine principle towards us, if we're not projecting our own masculine principle, meaning that they're suppressing our masculine principle from doing its job then they can send out their masculine principle and our feminine principle is not going to be able to tell the difference because it only seeks to have unity 
with a masculine principle. So they give us the masculine principle. Now, ain't that some shit? Our feminine principle can't tell the difference between if the call is coming from inside the house or outside the damn house. Okay. So it's our responsibility to figure out what we accept as true and what we, what we reject because our feminine principle will just take in the information from the will of someone else and accept it as true. And then change us right we start to act accordingly based off of the information that we got from that masculine energy this is how we're able to be conditioned through suggestion y'all i hope this is making sense and solidifying our understanding of how these phenomenons on the mental and spiritual plane work okay now the crazy thing is that the masculine principle of the mind is in most people are lazy okay they're just walking around taking suggestions and directions from the willpower of other people you can see this especially in people who can't seem to make a decision about anything they lean solely on the advice of other people around them and they tend to be so green and naive okay these people don't think for themselves because their masculine is not sending the signal to start the to start the process to create new mental images and create new ideas Okay, it's not sending anything or projecting anything towards that feminine. And if the feminine doesn't get any signal from within, it can only rely on outside signals of what is happening in your environment. Okay, now these are the people walking around following all the rules of the system that was engineered to put them in this state. So you can continuously be influenced to do their work, pay off their debts, make their companies richer, and etc. Okay. So when you aren't using your I self or your masculine principle, you are completely polarized in your feminine mind and you just become this collection of everybody else's perceptions of you and their experiences. And you basically become a fucking puppet. Now, there are also a lot of people who have a strong sense of I, and these are usually people like me who are able to plant the seed of knowledge into other people's minds, and in turn, they start to think differently about life, okay? These are preachers, politicians, writers. They also fall into this category, all right? Now, you can also look at actors who are very good at their job, right? And if they start crying on on cue or whatever or they're crying during a scene, sometimes they're able to evoke that emotion in the people who are watching it, okay? Now, the people who have a strong eye sense of self embody personal magnetism, meaning they're able to magnetize things to them. Also, personal influence and fascination, meaning that people are magnetized to them and just like kind of adore them. And this basically all falls underneath the category of hypnosis. So you become so magnetic that people and things are able to be brought into your experience just by you willing it. Okay, so once you get in, you raise your vibration, right? And you um, align your masculine and feminine energy, you will become magnetic and be able to manifest anything that you want in this life. This is how manifestation works, guys, is by balancing the masculine and the feminine principles. So the next fair question is, what does this look like when it applies to mind, body and soul? Okay, so on the spiritual plane, that is you balancing your chakras, okay? On the mental plane, that is you regulating your emotions and managing your thoughts. And on the physical plane, that is you taking care of your physical body, eating healthy, right? And also self-love. That is loving yourself and becoming your true authentic self. That is how all of this masculine and feminine energy come into balance so that you are able to return to your cosmic essence in your homeostasis, right? And when you're in balance, you become so magnetic because you start to attract everything towards you because you're in this energy of magnetism, which attracts things towards you instead of repelling. If you're in survival mode, nine times out of 10, you're repelling everything away from you.
Now, in the final part of this episode, we're going to talk about the hermetic axioms, which tell us that the possession of knowledge, unless accompanied by a manifestation and expression in action, is like the hoarding of precious metals, a vain and foolish thing. Knowledge, like wealth, is intended for use. The law of use is universal, and he who violates it suffers by reason of his conflicts with natural forces. So this is where the saying, once you know better, you do better, comes from. Knowledge is meant to be applied, and if you refuse to apply it once you know it, you will constantly be in this mental battle of conflictedness within yourself okay and also your ego self is going to constantly try to repeat the lesson until you learn the lesson okay so you're going to put yourself into pain if you do not listen to the knowledge um that you are given okay because as we understand the holy trinity the aligning of how you think how you feel and how you act once you know better and you've applied your understanding through your emotions you have to do better okay now here are the most important axioms from the kabbalion that we should apply to our life okay so the first one is to change your mood or mental state change your vibration you can change your vibration through will you do this by hyper focusing on the desired state in other words the girlies on tiktok that have been telling y'all to be fucking delusional were absolutely correct okay it works because our body cannot tell the difference between whether something is happening now or if it happened in the past so one thing that I've been doing recently is anytime that something upsets me instead of complaining about it all the time I go into meditation right and I start to one kind of unpack what happened so that I can release it and after I say that I release it I immediately start visualizing what I would have liked to happen right and I stay keep focused on what I would have liked to happen and I also feel the feeling of what I would have liked to happen right and then that as soon as I come out that meditation, right, and I could be meditating for two hours, you know, I just keep focused on what I want to see in a situation going forward. So say example, for example, I get into it with a friend and I decide I don't really want to be her friend anymore. I keep having to tell her the same things and I'm tired of telling her the same things. She's too comfortable disrespecting my boundaries. So I'm going to just get new friends. Instead of complaining to people about it, I go into a meditative state and I immediately start processing the emotion so that I can release it. And I keep telling my body, I'm releasing this, I'm releasing this, I'm releasing this. And then I start to meditate immediately about what I would have liked to happen, right? I literally flip, flip the scenario in the way that I think it should have went and I start to feel the feelings of, you know, how I feel when my friend validates me, how I feel when my friend does X, Y, and Z. And then when I come out of the meditation, I start looking for whatever I was visualizing in my own life. I start looking at TV shows that mention it, movies that mention it, you know, other people's friendships, the relationships in my life. And I start saying to myself, every time I see it, I acknowledge it and I say, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful I have people in my life that do X, Y, and Z. Okay. And it has literally changed my life tremendously. And I start to magnetize people who have those qualities that I'm looking for into my life. I'm telling y'all it's a great practice. Now the next axiom says to destroy an undesirable rate of mental vibration, put into operation the principle of polarity and concentrate upon the opposite pole to which you desire to suppress, kill out the undesirable by changing its polarity. So this is what tells you that if you are ignorant on a topic, not to focus on your lack of knowledge, but instead to cultivate a habit of learning new things about the topic of interest. So if you're scared, don't focus on your fear, but focus on learning more about the topic that you fear so that you can build up skills to help you navigate what you fear, aka building up the courage to stand up to your fears. All right, to get rid of negative qualities, focus on the positive pole of the same quality 
Okay, so your experience starts to shift to the positive pole based on your attention and the same towards the other direction, which gives a new understanding to people who intuitively cut off ties with people who are always negative, because not only can our mind pick up on their projections of their mental state right towards us, which is what we just talked about, their masculine principle connecting to our our feminine principle, um, but we would accept it as our own and we might start internalizing their feelings and their emotions. It can also start to depolarize you when all day you've been consuming negativity and trauma, right? Because we know that our habits tend to influence our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind basically controls what we do in our day-to-day life and controls our belief systems, which in turn dictate what our habits and stuff are going to be. Okay, so most mental mastery is done by applying the principle of polarity, which is an important aspect of mental transmutation. So just a reminder, the Kabbalion points out that the mind, as well as metals and elements, may be transmuted from state to state, degree to degree, condition to condition, pole to pole, vibration to vibration. So the mastery of polarization is the mastery of the mental transmutation and mental alchemy. And understanding by changing your polarity, you can affect the people around you, or in layman's terms, changing your vibration changes the people around you this should really be confirmation on what we came here to do most of us are light workers who came here at a higher vibration to help raise the collective consciousness a lot of generators all right and since we already have access to higher vibrations and knowledge by expanding our consciousness even further we help to further raise the consciousness of the people around us so i encourage everybody to listen to um start trying to practice raising your vibration focus on the life you want and let your imagination run wild don't focus on what you don't want because the uh the universe can't even understand don'ts anyway okay focus on what it is that you do want okay and there is no ceiling every single day meditate on what you want you can even write it out you can write a story it don't matter what what it is that you do okay it's not your job to fix anybody else but you so stop being invested in other people's lives and invest that energy back into yourself okay it is life-changing when I started focusing on my healing everything changed for me the possibilities the access the resources the respect level like everything I'm living a completely different life and you can too but the way that you transcend stuff is by what you pay attention to so what you pay attention to is really really important because whatever you're focusing on is going to create your reality Now, the next axiom says that rhythm may be neutralized by an application of the art of polarization. Okay, so by understanding that the pendulum swings in our mental states as well, and that it swings between these two extremes of emotions of sadness and happiness, we can basically, or pain and pleasure, we can basically refuse to let it swing us backwards through polarization. It's embodying that I can't worry about it energy. Everything always works out for me. It's refusing to let your experiences and traumas of the day throw off your energy it's why spiritual people just choose to choose to leave a place if the energy gets negative or if, if the energy is off instead of trying to fix the vibe okay you have to basically fight every time that that pendulum swings backwards and continue to think the positive thoughts and feel positive emotions okay because focusing on the positive again when negative things are happening is going to keep you your vibration rising in that same direction okay so it's understanding that everything always works out because even when you're in the backward swing you know that there's going to be a time where that pendulum is going to swing back forward and you will be having a good day again okay so the higher you continue to rise your vibration then eventually when the pendulum does go backwards you will be at such a high vibration that it's going to feel like nothing all right 
The next axiom is um, nothing escapes the principle of cause and effect, but there are many planes of causation and one may use the laws of the higher to overcome the laws of the lower. Now, this is basically saying that by, again, practicing polarization or focusing on the positive, you can raise to higher planes of causation, causation, which will in turn make you the person creating causes instead of getting the effects of somebody else's causes. OK, so you will be the person doing the conditioning instead of being the person being conditioned. OK, you will be the person setting things into effect, whereas instead of being having to experience the consequences of those effects. Okay. So in order to transcend this law, you have to become an independent thinker. You do this by managing your thoughts and emotions and unlearning patterns that you've inherited, but don't agree with. You gain some self-discipline around dominating your moods, your emotions, your impulses, and your feelings. When you are a critical thinker who seeks to know more and seeks to understand the world around you, you become a controller of the game and not a pawn being moved around according to someone else's plan for you. You are able to make more conscious decisions that align with you and what you believe and become your true authentic self. Okay. Now the Kabbalion adds to this, that the wise one serves on the higher, but rule on the lower. They obey the laws coming from above them, but on their own plane. Okay. And those below them, they rule and give order. And yet in doing so, they form a part of the principle instead of opposing it. The wise man falls in with the law and by understanding its movement, he operates it instead of being its blind slave. Just as does the skilled swimmer turn this way and that way going and coming as he will instead of being as the log, which is just carried here and there. So it is the wise man as compared to the ordinary man. And yet both swimmer and log, wise man and fool are subject to law. He who understands this is well on his road to mastery. OK, so basically this is saying you get a choice through free will, whether or not you allow these universal laws to control you or if you are able to take um, control of what you can okay through polarization making sure that you're focusing on the positive etc all right now the final axiom it says that true hermetic transmutation is a mental art which is how we kind of started this series okay so this teaches us that we need to understand that if we want to influence our environment it is a company accomplished by mental power the universe is mental and so it has to be ruled by your mentality and mentality is just the sum of our intellectual abilities what we do with our mind okay so if the universe is mental then mental transmutation is a required science if we are learning or leaning towards becoming a master of our reality instead of being a slave to someone else's and y'all know that what I have been preaching since I started my platform, we have to know what they are doing to undo it. Okay. So we have to heal so that we can make conscious decisions. We have to master our minds and emotions so we can create the reality that we want. And we have to see past this material plane so that we can elevate it out of their simulation or their matrix. We have to release our attachments to this plane so that we can do that. And now after these last four episodes, we have to understand the all is the mind and the universe is mental. Okay. Now in conclusion, um, that wraps up our introduction to hermeticism and the laws that govern the multiverse. If you have not subscribed to my podcast, please do it now so you can stay up to date on the episodes that are dropping. Um, uh, but thank y'all so much for the feedback and again, engaging with this content. We're going to go ahead and wrap the episode here again, some good resources. If you want to dig into hermeticism deeper is the Kabbalion by the three initiates, but we just basically went over that in these last four episodes. There's also a book that is a newer edition of the Kabbalion. It's called the summum it's S U M M U M. 
them. And it's called Sealed Except to the Open Mind, which is, again, a book derived from the Kabbalion. And there's also the Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy by Marlene Bramner. And it's B-R-E-M-N-E-R. Okay. So thank y'all again for tapping in today. And I'll see y'all next week. I love y'all deep.